You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi everybody, this is Annie for Showreel this week on 3CR, your community radio station. Filmmakers are using their skills to raise awareness of vital battles for social and ecological justice. And this year, the Bob Brown Foundation has released a new film tracking the defence of the Tarkine in Tasmania, which is experiencing a new government auspiced attack on its ancient forests. They used a YouTube launch recently to raise awareness and to increase membership for the defence called Forest Defenders, a feature-length film that takes us to the Tarkine and suggests avenues for your support in the struggle. I spoke to Scott Jordan from the Bob Brown Foundation about the film and the struggle down in Tasmania for this massive and mind-blowing stretch of prehistoric forests. Okay, my name's Scott Jordan. I'm... Uh, Tarkona campaigner with the Bob Brown Foundation. And just recently, um, the Bob Brown Foundation has uh, stepped up uh, the uh, tools for uh, raising awareness, uh, the push for uh, the National Park at the Tarkine, and you've uh, made a film, you've introduced a film uh, describing to the wider world why the Tarkine needs to be looked after and also inviting people to come and uh, be part of that uh, defence. Yes, look, we have. We've um, we've had a very busy season uh, over the last 12 months in, in defence of our forests and, and we've seen a lot of actions and, and a whole lot of um, people coming up and standing up for those forests and in many cases being arrested for doing so, and all the way through, we had um, activists on the ground filming and documenting all of those actions, and and two of those activists, um, Ramji and and uh, Krusty, have have over the last few months been pulling together all of that footage and and the interviews they did throughout the summer, um, and put them together for in a film that that, that I guess shows people. Um, what our campaigns look like on the ground, and and a bit about why the people that take part in them are there, and 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 what it means to them to be standing up for our, our amazing forest. Yeah, Forest Defender. Uh, it's um, quite a, a, a an interesting film, I'll have to say, and it's interesting to use film in this way. I mean, I've been to the Tarkine recently, and I share the view of the uh, activist uh, that it actually sometimes seems unbelievable that anybody would want to knock this uh, place down. Look, it is. It's it's just, uh, I guess, 
beyond reason that in the 21st century in a first world nation like Australia, we are we are still actively uh, not just logging rainforests, but clear felling and burning our rainforests. It's it's a it's a real blight on on the reputation of our country, and it's something that has to stop. Now it's interesting because uh, you because it's a film and because it's done over time, and you take personal stories, the witness statements of the people who are involved. That's quite a fascinating process in the film, isn't it? Look, it is. Um, I guess to to start with. We didn't set out this summer to produce a film, um, but we were doing, you know, filming the actions as they took place. And and um, Krusty and Ramsey joined us fairly early in the season. Um, there was a few actions that, that happened before they got there, and so they, you know, there wasn't footage for them to go into the films. But um, they arrived at that that point, and and I guess with with their filmmaking lens, they they looked and decided that this could be more than just documenting each, each action and putting it on social media, that there was a, a story to be told about the um, the campaign over the over the whole of the season and, and about the people that came through and, and contributed on the ground to make that happen. And um, I'm glad they had the, the, the vision to to, to be in there documenting it and seeing what it, what it could be, because too often for us who were on the ground... Um, Week in, week out, it's it's all about the moment, and it's um, it was it was terrific to have those guys come in with with a different perspective, and and what they've produced has been incredibly valuable for us as a campaign in terms of showing people firstly what what it is that's happening out in those forests that needs to be defended, and and I guess also telling the stories of those brave defenders, and and we believe it will increase. Um, the amount of people who who look at those people and say, well, you know, they're not too different to me, and 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 maybe there is something I can contribute, and I, and I want to go out and 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 stand with them in defence of these forests. And so we're expecting an even bigger campaign this summer, and in in some part because of the the efforts of of these amazing filmmakers. It's quite classic, isn't it? Uh, the classic Bob Brown Foundation. Uh, uh methodology in a sense because uh, you work with local communities who are defending their local uh, piece uh, in defence of wild places and people contribute their skills. They try to work out how they can be involved to amplify the message and this is how these people have uh, found their way to uh, contribute. That's right. I mean, um, so much of what happens at camp doesn't involve being 30 metres up a tree. Um, it, it's it's about people being there, um, maintaining the presence at camp, making sure all the volunteers are, are fed and looked after and they've got somewhere warm to sleep and and greeting people and inducting people and, and you know, making sure we've got water and ma- making sure that first aid is looked after. And there's a whole range of skills that, that, that people come and, and contribute to the camp um, often what we see on the six o'clock news is is somebody up in the top of a tree, but to to get that person in the top of the tree requires a, a whole team of people on the ground who are committed to making sure that person is, is not just safe, but what they're doing up there is, is a story that the world gets to hear. And so um, what we find is when people come and join the camp, they often say, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm, I'm not sure I've got anything to to." to contribute and and when you start teasing it out they they come with a whole lot of skills that are 
uh, vital to those camps. Um, cooking dinner is is a vital skill at a at a conservation camp. It's um, you know, the old old saying: an army moves on its stomach. Yeah, oh, and also the other thing that they do because they're quite forensic about it, they break it down in the campaign down into the actual areas that are being defended which is quite fascinating and they also describe something that I hadn't quite understood which was the methodology of the misnomed sustainable forest Tasmania um, and the selective logging uh, the use of language that uh, says to people that uh, actually the government's managing this and it's all it's all balanced and it's all fine but when it's discovered that they actually clear fell and then napalm and then uh, seed monocultural gums that's a completely different issue absolutely and and they do this deliberately i mean they they engage in definitional warfare, as we call it, where they'll take the term like like clear felling that most people understand what that means, and then they will um, manipulate that that um, factor. So they, where we say clear fill, they will use terms like aggregated retention, which effectively means if you want to log 40 hectares, you draw a 44 hectare boundary, then leave out the last four hectares um, and claim it's aggregated retention. And so there's all these games and, and, and tricks that they play, which confuses the general public. And so they'll stand up on the news and say, we don't clear fill these rainforests. We're standing in there witnessing what's happening and saying they do clear fill these rainforests. And, and through the efforts of, of these amazing filmmakers and many others who have joined our campaign, we've been able to put that evidence you know, on people's television screens and, and show them that, that this is happening. And regardless of what they're saying, the evidence on the ground is is this is clear filling and this, these are rainforests being destroyed. And so it's such a vital tool to have on the ground, is, um, that ability to, to, to send this the images out to the world. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that actually the economic value to Tasmania of tourism versus the logging um, is, uh, it's a no-brainer really, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. We we have less than 1% of the, the workforce in Tasmania is engaged in the native forest uh, logging sector. Um, the vast majority of people in the in the logging sector in general are actually employed in the, the plantation side of the industry, um, and and tourism and hospitality makes up around twenty percent of Tasmania's workforce. And so it it really is um, an industry of the past. It's an industry that that is you know um, largely transitioned away from those native forest. Um, operations but we still have this rump of an industry who every time somebody leaves they're in there trying to grab um, pick up that extra quota and and they're doing it largely because our, our government continues to fund the, the logging and the freighting and the, and the marketing of these uh, operations in a, in a way that in fact in Tasmania we are we are selling the, the timber to the well, they shouldn't say timber even. These are amazing forests that are being sold to the wood chipping agencies at less than the cost of cutting them down. And so those in the plantation sector are having to compete on the basis of they actually have to pay for their land and plant their trees and tend them and then harvest them and then 
then try and um, gain a profit on that. But they're competing with a state government who's prepared to undercut the whole system and, and sell it less than the cost of harvesting. And so we, we are seeing that, that recalcitrant end of the industry have, have got no incentive to move. And it's government policy that's doing this. And, and you know, we, we need people to stand up and be saying to government that this is, this is no longer acceptable. It was never acceptable. And, and it has to end because, they're, you know, in Tasmania, we have a homelessness crisis, we have a hospitals crisis, and our government shouldn't be prioritising um, the, the clear felling of rainforests for public funding. Just as a matter of interest, uh, is it because the government is funded by, uh, got you know, uh, do they get a lot of uh, support from that industry or...? Uh, what's the motivator? Is it something to do with you can't tell me what to do, you greenies? Yeah, look, I think it is partly that um, the industry, yeah, that that end of the native forest industry is heavily invested in in making sure that a, a favourable government is returned, and so there's there's definitely um, funding that changes hands in terms of helping fund election campaigns, but there's also um, the industry playing. Um, directly in the political space through industry bodies and and creating that confusion around the, um, the the economic impact of the industry, we'll often see them out defending native forest logging by by arguing the the economic value and the and the jobs value of the whole economic chain of the the, the timber industry. Um, we know though that native forests actually make up a, a, a sliver of that, and it's a it's a sliver that costs. The taxpayer money, um, but but the industry body aren't going to tell you that. They they're going to show you the whole picture, and so we we see a very active political campaign by both the government and and the industry to to keep the public believing that that. This, this is a vital contributor to our economic future and when in fact it's a major drain. So the actual forests, they see that as a free plunder, really, don't they? Well, it is effectively. I mean, we've we've done some some numbers based on the average loss by Sustainable Timbers Tasmania, the former Forestry Tasmania, the state government logging agency. And, and effectively for every job in the industry, whether it's the, the people at the... Um, the, the logging end or the people at the sawmilling end, uh, right the way through that industry, we're, we're seeing around $100,000 of subsidy for every job. Oh, my goodness. Those jobs on average are only $65,000. So the reality is when people talk about what would these people do if we if we stop native forest logging, and the answer really is anything because <laughs> the already effectively paying the salaries. Yeah, and they so might as well could, give them the 100000 Yeah, we could be out we're restoring these forests. In fact, the, the um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says that we have to, in order to reach our... our um, stay below our two degree target. We we actually have to you know, not only stop um, fossil fuels. We have to stop uh, logging our primary forest to our, our our native forest, and we have to rapidly restart restoring our degraded forest. And so all those areas that had previously been logged and had been regrown as those monoculture um, aerial seeded. Uh, you know, they, they call them forests. I think they're just messy plantations. But oh, it's um, an outrage. We, we could have people. Yeah, we could have people out there doing that job of, of restoration, which the IPCC says is so important to us um, being able to live on a, on a you know 
a livable planet. And so there are jobs for these people to transition to. What there isn't is the political will to make that happen. Yeah, it's really, really fascinating uh, because, as I said, having been there, it's just such an amazing place. It's just it takes your breath away. Uh, and there's some really nice quotes in the film, you know, uh, as one woman was saying that, you know, the particular place where she is, it took her, uh, it, you know, it uh, took my heart, she said, you know, I'm here there and it, it just, and that's part of it, isn't it, the sound. I noticed that the film's got some fantastic music, so people have, contri- usually music is very expensive, but obviously people have contributed that as well. Absolutely. We've, we've had an amazing group of musicians who, who many of them have, have not only contributed music to this film but have, have turned up at camp. And, and over the years we've had um, you know, lots of impromptu performers um, you know, rock up at camp and entertain us. And, and you know, when, when, the, when the sun goes down and, the, and we all sit around the fire, it, it's fairly often that someone will um, pull a guitar out and amaze us with the, the skills they've brought to the place. Often the same people that told us the day before they, they had nothing to contribute. <laughs> Hi, I'm Judith Ehrlich. I'm the director of the film The Voice Who Said No, Draft Resistance in the Vietnam War. I'm really pleased to be here on 3CR. I'm an old listener-sponsored radio producer myself and worked at the first listener-sponsored station in the world, KTFA, Berkeley, part of the Pacifica Network. So good work. Keep it up. Thanks. Here we are in the Tarkine Rainforest. This is our greatest repository of creation, inspiration, adventure, as well as oxygen, and it should be protected. You're listening to Showreel on 3CR, and we're talking with Scott Jordan from the Bob Brown Foundation down in Tasmania about a film made by some of their film-skilled supporters called Forest Defenders. So you had a you had a screening uh, a, a couple of Saturday, Sundays ago, and uh, that was pretty well attended. And it was and it is not just uh, a showcase of what's going on, but it's actually uh, asking people to come themselves and have a look. You're trying you you want people to, because I defy anybody who goes there who finally does go there not to realise it's it's uh, needs to be defended. I mean, once you get a person to go there, they will be converted. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we often joke about the fact that, you know, when we run the camp, we, you know, we've we've had um, probably last year we had 250 volunteers come through that camp. But on top of that, another 400 plus um, just people who are passing by on the tourist route who saw our sign and and we, we put a sign up that says come in for a cup and and many people do and so we had over 400 people who, who came in for a cup of tea and to hear what we were doing and, and go in and walk in those forests and experience it for themselves and and the, the, the running joke is that they go in generally interested and they come out evangelists because this this place does touch you and you, know, you can't walk out of there and not want to um, dedicate yourself to seeing this area defended and so um, it, it speaks far better in its defence than I ever could. Now people can actually access uh, 
Forest Defender, they uh, if they missed out on going to the uh, event, uh, it's on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's on YouTube, or you can find it through the Bill Brown Foundation's website. Um, and we encourage people to go and have a look and and you know, flick the link around to your friends and show as many people as possible. Um, we're encouraging people to organise screenings in in their area and and get people together to uh, where COVID conditions allow for it. Um, to get together and um, you know, share what what this is about, and um, we you know, we we think it's it's a it's a really powerful message. It's a it's a great film. It's a it's a great um, story, but it's an, an inspirational story about you know, what people power can do. And and without putting too many spoilers you know, in the way, it, it's it's got a pretty nice ending too. And and I'll have to say that uh, as COVID starts to die down. Uh, more people will be able to travel and of course Tasmania is a great place to go Uh, but also you're expecting that the summer season will hot up in more than one way. Look we we definitely are we um, we know they haven't stopped blogging through the the COVID period Um, we we packed down our camp um, when the, the lockdowns came into place in in northwest Tasmania last year and that was a a really tough decision to to have to step out of those forests um, we've continued monitoring them through satellite images and through um, remote sensing cameras that have been able to send images back to to mobile phones and the like so it's all got very James Bond during this covid period but um we've we're happy to say that I guess but because it was so well known that we were continuing monitoring those areas, it has deterred them from from trying to sneak in while we were gone. But uh, as the the uh, drier weather is is coming around, it opens up a lot of those rainforest areas that can't be logged during the winter, which are back on the schedule for the summer. And so uh, we we will be back out in the forest this summer, defending them. And and I'm completely convinced that, that we'll have even more people you know, rallying to the cause and coming out to join us in that defence. Thanks for talking to me. The Tarkine's 450,000 hectares. That's uh, a very large area, larger than Sydney, for example, of wild country in the northwest corner of the island state of Tasmania. And it's got uh, the cleanest air in the world blowing across its shores because Tasmania is south of South Africa, so it's coming right round across three oceans from Patagonia. It's got this wonderful temperate rainforest, which is as big as the tropic rainforest in far north Queensland. Uh, It's full of wildlife, including rare and endangered species like the Tasmanian devil. The orange-bellied parrot, the rarest bird in Australia, flies through there, so does the swift parrot. But beyond that, this other remarkable dimension of a human culture going back tens of thousands of years, and you feel the presence of the Tarkina people who live with that marine and land-based ecosystem, celebrated it, it was their universe. Well, there's very little left of that natural universe on the planet, and the Tarkine is one of the most viable and important places left and here we are in the wealthiest country on earth one of the most continuous long-lived democracies charged with either ripping it up 
for a few more minerals. Cutting it down for a, a quick few dollars or celebrating it as a place which will lift human spirits forever into the future if we look after it. And I know which side I'm on. The first and best thing any of us can do is go there. Take a walk with Tarkine Trails, visit Corinna on the Pyman River and take a cruise. You're guaranteed you'll see a sea eagle as well as that wonderful rainforest. Drive around it. Uh, just, just go there because you'll come away wanting to do something for it. I haven't run into anybody yet if you just get talking to a little bit who's not concerned about the environment or wants to protect beautiful places and have them to go to or make sure they're there for their own grandkids to go to. It's a natural thing. It's just that it's off the political gender in an age of materialism where making money uh, and more money, doesn't matter how much you got, you want more, is the religion of the age. And we've got to get past that, back to celebrating the planet, looking after it, instead of uh, living off it, to live with it. That's it for Showreel this week. To see Forest Defenders, you can go to YouTube, Worth the Effort. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.
are over And life is like a song Oh yeah, yeah At last The sky's above the blue My heart was wrapped up in clover Could speak to a dream that I can call my own. I found a thrill to press my cheek to a thrill that I. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.